Hello and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I am your host, Harrison Greenbaum. There's the logo. Ah, I learned how to, it's reversed and I learned how to point. It's, I should not be proud of that accomplishment. Uh, we have an incredible show for you, but before we get there, uh, of course, the show is presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians, the IBM. And if you're not a member, go to magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM slash join. Uh, they do, they've done incredible things throughout this pandemic keeping everybody busy and providing magic uh, virtually. We've had this show. This is episode number 34. They have the IBM Jam Live, which is every Tuesday. It's amazing. Uh, and it's just a great organization. You get a very tiny magazine called The Linky Ream, like physically tiny. It goes right. It's good to read when you're when you're pooping. Uh, it's also just a great magazine. They're going to hate that I said that, but it's okay. It's okay. The Linking Ring is awesome. IBM is awesome. Magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM slash join. This show is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. if you're on the East Coast, 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. And it is available in podcast form on Apple Music, uh, Google. It's available uh, through even your Amazon account. Um, go to whobookstat.com for more information to click on the link to watch old episodes. And if you do uh, listen to the podcast, please review it. Uh, a nice five-star review really helps spread the word. This show is now in the top 100 performing arts podcasts in more than eight countries around the world. Some speak English as a first language. I don't know or why they're listening, but thank you. Konnichiwa. It's, uh, it, it's very big in Japan, the show, uh, legitimately. It's it, it's in the top like 30 podcasts there. It's amazing. So uh, make sure you check that out at Harrison Comedy on Twitter and on Instagram. And now, of course, to our uh, our main event, our guest for the evening. I am so, so excited. Um, when I, I got to, to Harvard, I, I'm gonna have to say, by the way, if you don't like uh, saying the word Harvard, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna hear it a lot. Um, you're gonna have to deal with it. I'm, I'm so sorry in advance. <laughs> but I, uh, I was the president of the Harvard Magic Society and that was because I was really the only magician there. We had uh, at least three members at some point. So it was, it was a big deal. Um, but the founder, the, one of the founders of the Harvard Magic Society was a magician I just heard about um, and always uh, loved hearing about. He's had an incredible career. You might know him from his solo show, The Enigmatist, which ran in New York, sold out, extended run. It's going to be running at the Geffen in 2021. And until then, he's doing a virtual show called Inside the Box, which also has completely sold out its run. He's been a consultant for many television shows and movies, including Now You See Me. He also uh, helped with the show Deception. He was part of uh, the creative team, a show about a magician that... Uh, disappeared after one season, but it was a great show. <laughs> um, definitely check out the old episodes. Uh, and that stars a, a Harvard guy. As, it's a lot of Harvard. It's going to be a lot of Harvard in this show. Um, he is an incredible magician. He's an incredible uh, crossword puzzle constructor. His puzzles have run in the New York Times. Uh, Will Schwartz, uh, the legend in the crossword puzzle community, is a huge fan of both David's crosswords and his magic. I've said enough. Let's bring him on. Make some noise. Get excited. Uh, a good friend of mine, and I'm so excited for you to see him. David Kwong, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. How was that for an intro? <laughs> that was, you, just, you just covered the whole show. Are we done? I think we did it. That has been David Kwong, and that has been Who Books That? We really appreciate it. It would be a record. It would definitely be a record. That was good. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, uh, I, I assume this is just uh, how, how you dress and, and your house. No, no, this is, this is, this is, I got to, I'm doing inside the box yeah, very soon. So I, I threw on the, the loud, uh, the loud shirt and the not loud coat that softens it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
I'm no, it's amazing. Captain Playhouse built this set in my house. It's it's remarkable. They did it for Helder's show as well. Uh, and now they're launching Citizen Detective and a cooking show. And the Geffen Playhouse is really like leading the charge on virtual shows. Um, it's it's really remarkable. They pivoted. Really, really I love that. And and we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna start work our way backwards. We're gonna we're gonna get all the way up to that. Um, so let's let's start with this because you are an accomplished magician. You also uh, are great at puzzles, designing puzzles, doing puzzles. We've done escape rooms together. Um, and this show, obviously, Inside the Box uh, has puzzles in it. It's very puzzle heavy. Enigmatist combines magic and puzzles. But which came first? Did you love puzzles first or magic first? Uh, magic for, oh, hello. <laughs> magic of uh, sibling rivalry. That's when it started. Yeah. Right Does this child love puzzles or magic or both at this point? <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. That's <laughs> Big Bird and somebody else. Um, yes, I think magic first. Like the the every, every magician. Hello, uh, <laughs> every magician has the story about the first magic trick that we saw. So here's mine. And it, you know, I was seven years old. I was at a pumpkin patch in upstate New York. I grew up in Rochester, New York. And a magician did the little red sponge ball trick. It's so. It's thrilling that I don't have to explain what that is right now. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't just that it fooled me. He then repeated the trick and my father opened up his hand and now had two red sponge balls. And my father's a biochemist. And to me, he like knew everything about the world and still does. So for the scientist to be fooled, I it was an indelible moment. I remember thinking, I, I need to know what that guy knows. Pointing to <laughs> And both of your parents were professors, right? Not just your dad. Yeah, my mother's a history professor. So she's the word nerd. I kind of got both sides, like the science and, and the uh, humanities. So my mother and other, yeah, they were playing Scrabble in 91. So I was 11 years old there. Wow. That's uh, Scrabble, Scrabble is, is I, I hope I don't offend the word community, um, but Scrabble is, there we go. There's the Scrabble mug. You know, uh, and what, is the, what does the K stand for? I, potassium. I potassium. Potassium, Harrison. <laughs> uh, Scrabble kind of is the, is that like the gateway drug to crossword puzzles? Because I feel like it's very similar laying out words in grids. The, was it a Scrabble first? I think it's a, 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 parallel, it's a parallel drug. It's like <laughs> angel <laughs> dust and PCP. I don't know. <laughs> Are those the same thing? I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I put these two photos together because I feel like they show similar things. So there's you and mom on Scrabble, and then there's you and mom working on Crossword. Yeah, puzzles. yeah, yeah. She she really was the one that um, imbued me with this love for for words, and we still we still solve the Sunday puzzle together every weekend over Zoom. And we didn't used to do that, but that's that's what this pandemic has created. Is there's that bond? It's really great. And I also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, a, a little known fact, because I do do deep dives into all of the subjects. Okay. You can actually sing as well. This is you in school. Oh, great. And I believe that's you, wow. uh, one of the leads in Greece. Yeah, you got in touch with someone for that one. <laughs> yeah. Who did you play in, in this musical production uh, of Greece? That is one of the supporting roles, <laughs> one of the Greasers <laughs> named Roger, and he sings a song. It might, I don't think it's in the movie. It's called mooning, and he's like, <laughs> I guess he moons. I don't know. It's a, it's all double entendres over like the moon is out and the, like I'm dropping my trowel. Oh, so that's, I, I'm glad they kept that in the show. Like I'm mooning over you, and it's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> Emily's in the chat. Hi, Emily. Emily is absolutely here. Uh, Joe is here from Connecticut. 
And Dan is here from Kissimmee, Florida. And, and Daniel Gettys just says hi. He's What's from up? somewhere. And Custer is from mid-Michigan. Oh, Michigan, nice. Michigan had a big week last week. Sure did. Uh, but let's talk. So one of the things, I, I, there's a quote about uh, puzzles that you had, okay. um, which is my number one philosophy. And this, this is you talking about puzzles and designing puzzles. My number one philosophy is that I want the audience or problem solver to feel smart. There's a moment when you unlock the puzzle, the aha moment. And I want my spectators to feel like they are learning and solving something extraordinary. That's where I really get my juice. And so I guess the question is, a good magic trick. You did say that. I said that's where I get my juice. You, yeah, that that's your quote. Okay, there was uh, some juice yeah. in there. Wow, uh, I you know I I really take that mantra from Will Shorts, whom we referenced, who's the uh, puzzle editor of the New York Times. And um, a a good puzzle makes the solver feel smart is what he preaches, and I uh, do the same thing. And I think that the aha moment—it's worth zeroing in on that. That's when you unlock the puzzle and you figure out what's going on. And what's so great about the aha moment is two things happen at the same time. Uh, the first is you feel smart for having cracked the puzzle and unlocked it. And you also respect the cleverness that went into the puzzle and uh, and you, you respect the puzzle maker in that moment. And I, I guess one of the reasons I bring it up is because yeah. you're, you're combining puzzles and magic. And I know as a kid, they always tell you, don't make your magic seem like a puzzle because then the audience is gonna try to solve it. You want them to enjoy it as opposed to to worrying about how it works. So how do you how do you connect those two? Uh, and and with that quote, even there's a moment when you unlock the puzzle. How do you give them an aha moment in magic if they're never going to get that aha moment? Hopefully, of how you did it. Well, that's that's the big that's the big difference, right? Is that a, is that a, as a magic trick you don't reveal the solution to the puzzle. <laughs> but um, but I think that the, the similar. Strand uh, for me, it, I, I say that all magic tricks are puzzles because everyone has a different approach to magic. Mine is such that I don't pretend to have superpowers. So I have created something um, that you can try to figure out, and I'm going to do my best to make sure that you don't. And then that, you think that you have for a while, and then I'll twist it. Um, and also combining magic and puzzles took a while. That wasn't like an immediate thing. You were doing th those kind of world states separate for a really long time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, um, it was about 10 years ago when the light bulb turned on that I should uh, cross pollinate these two passions. And it, and it uh, came at a, it was my 30th birthday, my 30th birthday. And I was throwing a party magic castle and I, let me perform something for everybody. And I threw together this trick that actually uh, was drawing on decades of crossword knowledge, but that is when I created the crossword trick, which has become my signature trick. Uh, for those of you that don't know it, I have a big empty board behind me. I'm making crossword as quickly as I can based on long phrases and words that you throw up to me. And I'm showing you how the black squares are symmetrical and I'm sticking those on the board. Oh yeah, there we go. Uh, that's from the set of the Enigmatist. You can see there's rotational symmetry with those black squares. That's a mark of crosswords. It's one of the, the rules of crosswords. If you um, flip the board 180 degrees, the black squares will be in the same places. And um, when I finish the crossword, I reveal a secret message, which is usually the playing card picked 45 minutes earlier. <laughs> but I work it into the diagonal or you know on a sinuous path. Uh, so it's kind of a three-dimensional crossword.
And I guess the other thing too is, you know, that obviously requires uh, the, the the payoff is 45 minutes later for that. You're doing all these really intellectual things. Is there ever a fear that like, is your target audience uh, specifically like these kind of puzzle minded smart people? Are you trying to present it in a way that it's open to everybody? Is there like in mind an ideal audience or is the ideal audience everybody? It is everybody. And one thing that I, I believe that I do well is I try to have two tracks going. So there's the general, in terms of, I mean, everyone can appreciate magic. When it comes to puzzles, there's uh, this general, oh, there's David Copperfield, yeah. And <laughs> notice, notice how we're both covering the crossword board, so you can't ever really break down what's happening there. That, that's <laughs> um, he got it. He, he, we were taking a phone. He's like, should we stand? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, there's there's a couple of tracks. There's a general introduction to puzzles usually. And then I always try to put in a deeper, uh, another track, uh, a deeper level, a harder puzzle that I say, hey, there's something else going on here. If you want to go down this rabbit hole, you can um, try to find that answer. And I want to get into a little bit more because I, I I've I found plenty of stories where you've gone the real extra mile to make a magic effect happen. Okay. Uh, but I would be remiss. Uh, I mentioned it at the, in the introduction. Um, you founded the Harvard Magic Society. Yes. Which has had tens and tens of members throughout the years. Uh, <laughs> we've had we've had so many uh, alum alumni. Just so yeah. many. We at least at least two hands worth. And. Uh, I want to take us back to college because you're doing magic. Were, were you the magic kid uh, at, at Harvard for your for your class? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What do we got there? Oh yeah, Eden. You know, Eden was on uh, what's this? What's the show? Not days. It was a days of our lives. I can't remember. Oh wow! And you're and this by the way, because uh, I did mention yeah, your uh, acapella groups. Yeah, you're in the gin and tonics, getting ready to sing acapella, which is. Uh, they're very popular for just four years. When you're at college, all my children. Cool all my children. <laughs> I think that's you in the dins. Yeah. There's yeah. some more din action, and then there's you doing magic in I mean, Harvard. Then a study break in a in a in a common room. That and is then there's, Michael Amar's routine right there. Oh, that's and and the fantastic. Uh, 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 that's not an original painting. Yeah, that's a condensed. <laughs> yeah, if you flip it over to the other side, there's another another room. That's right. Yeah. And then, oh, this is you just, uh, what's going on in this photo? I, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> this is in the Kirkland House Courtyard. I'm sure Alex is, uh, is still a good friend. And um, Alex was also one of the people that's responsible for Harvard Magic Society, right? He was part of it, yeah. And, and Adam Grant, did you find a photo of him? I don't have a photo of him, but uh, he sent his regards. <laughs> yeah, Adam Adam Grant. Um, you know, we actually, you, you probably don't know this. We both um, started magic groups and then we merged them. There were rival magic groups on yeah, we, had bit, we had a little bit of a fight over it. and, and um, What were the names of the groups? I think one was the Harvard Magic Club and one was the Harvard Magic Society. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and we were fighting over it and then finally we just merged. I think they just said like, "Here's two thousand dollars, guys. Just merge." We said, <laughs> "I had no idea. That's a, that's incredible." Were yeah. you guys both friends, or you just two people that loved magic with competing organizations? <laughs> no, we were. Yeah, we became friends. And you know, Adam Grant is um, has gone on to 
to incredible success. He is a he's a Wharton Business School professor. He was the youngest tenured professor at Wharton. And he has written all these books like Give and Take and Originals. And he's had another one come out quite recently. I can't remember it. But he is a star professor in the fields of organizational psychology and he's a real amazing guy. That's amazing. And and but and we'll, I promise I see Emily Gillette saying, I don't think I can keep up with the Harvard drops. I promise we'll change the subject soon. But this is uh I think a oh, metamorphosis that's happening. That's, that's, that's Adam Grant on the left there. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there. Yeah. This is so this is at art's first that we're doing metamorphosis. That's that's a uh not so subtle tearaway gold uh thing, you know. I think I have an arts first, which is the festival uh t-shirt on under that. Do you still own that shirt? No, I don't own that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you found some good stuff. Well, let's that's, the only, that's really the only stage illusion thing I've ever done. Yeah, I've it's, never, I, never been good at that. Yeah, I think that's the only photo I could find of you doing anything resembling a, a big scale illusion like that. Yeah. Uh, but also, you're you, it wasn't like a straight line straight out of college into magic. Um, I know you did study. You did study magic. You actually wrote your thesis on. Uh, I think it was called Oriental Magic. Let's yeah, yeah. Right. It was, it was Oriental magicians and their impersonators at the turn of the twentieth century. Right, right. I'm fascinated by the Chung Ling Su's and the Okitos and the and the Asian impersonation. Um, and you know, I'm mixed. I'm mixed race myself. My father's from Hong Kong. Um, I just the the the. The notion of the of the magicians embracing the East for the exoticism was so fascinating to me, and uh, you know, I didn't really major in magic. I was a history major, but I certainly focused everything I could on on that material. Well, I think that's really interesting, though. And here's here's your dad, uh, yeah, in China, I believe. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but at, at that time, you wrote this thesis years ago. Now we now we cultural appropriation is a term I think most people know. Mm -hmm. uh, most people try to avoid doing it. Um, but back then, yeah, you had white magicians who just pretended they were straight up uh, non-English speaking Chinese people <laughs> making up language as they went along. Um, did it, does it seem a little bit prescient now that you think back at it that uh, you were sort of talking about a topic that's now I think pretty uh, pretty pretty talked about? Um. I don't. I don't know. If, I don't know if I was ahead of the curve. I think it's. Um, I mean, there were there, were lots of scholars have written on blackface and yellowface, and um, I was trying to add just a little more insight to it. I think. I think what I uh, found the most fascinating about Oriental impersonation when it came to magicians is that it was a simultaneous uh, reverence and scorn. For these immigrants at the exact same time so you'll have the the buddha character who's bumbling about the stage and they're mocking him for being the that was one that was like you know the the bumbling celestial who and uh who's like dopey and doesn't really know where he's going and then and then he would produce a big fishbowl so there was like this combination of of reverence and then hatred for the like invasive immigrants it was very it's cool does it, is it weird to still see that there are magicians even now using props covered in? Today. I, I, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts that it's still going on today. Right. <laughs> you can buy a box that has a fake Chinese glyph on it, uh, and it's the box of mystery, you know? Right. Uh, and, and then you still see people um, putting on turbans or 
having um, a Near East persona, you know, a, a Egyptian impersonation was a big part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. It feels like magic is like somehow fifty or a hundred years behind on some of this stuff, where there's no reason. The the old joke at Magic Camp, we would have a you know a kid come up and say, "I recently acquired this on my chip my business trip to China." <laughs> you're eleven. Yeah. You you do, you're not even going on business trips, let alone to China. What is what is happening? We we try to get them to repaint the box. That's that's at least at least do that. Uh, but I guess. Uh, let, let's start talking about, because you mentioned the lexicon, um, and that there's a couple of stories I'd love to bring up about the lexicon. One of them was, you knew that the New York Times was going to be doing a write-up of your magic, potentially including a write-up about lexicon. And uh, you mentioned in your book, which we should plug, Spellbound. It's a fantastic, okay. great read. Still available on uh, Amazon or all books. Well, there, are, there are many on the shelves in the warehouse for you guys to pick up. Do you want to adopt a book and give it a nice home? There's just a, a bunch of sad spellbounds out there looking for a nice, uh, a nice forever home. Yeah. Uh, but you, you mentioned that uh, you told the New York Times, I don't want to give away the story, but you basically told the New York Times reporter that there was a private event that they could come film so that they can get video footage of you doing that trick. Can you explain uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll interject. I'll tell you the story. You guys are familiar yeah. with this concept of, of getting one ahead and... Um, we, we all do it in various ways, which is, um, what was it? The New York, the New York times was, they heard about the crossword puzzle trick. They wanted to do a story on it. And I said, well, I think a video would be the best way to illustrate it. Do you want to, uh, come film it? I'm actually performing it at this party, uh, next week. And they said, yeah, that's a great opportunity. So then I called everybody I knew and said, Hey, the New York times wants to, to film me doing the trick in your living room. And I found a fancy living room. And, uh, so, uh, you know, you, you get a little bit one ahead sometimes. And, and, and if you know, you can catch up. Um, and the book is all about those principles, how people use them in real life. But then you have people that do it the wrong way, which is you have like, like um, uh, Theranos. <laughs> they got too far ahead thinking they could catch up. You know, so. we just tell them we have the technology and eventually yeah. we will. You got to do it within reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I also think there's a, there's another story involving the director Edgar Wright, where I think you were more than one step ahead. If you want to share that one, that was one of my favorite. Yeah, things. this is a great story. Um, so this involves me and Blake Voigt, very talented magician, and Blake and I were. I, I had gotten to know. Uh, oh, thank you. You're plugging my book. Um, I, I'd gotten to know Edgar just in the Hollywood community. I I used to work at. DreamWorks Animation and Development. I was a uh, assistant at a production company before that. I was kind of in the um, hello from Arizona. Very cool. Um, I'm in the in the film community, so I got to know Edgar, and he at the time. I don't tell this story too widely because he at the time was directing Ant Man, and then he dropped off the project because of just some creative differences. Um, but at the time, he was directing the movie, and he asked for some help in teaching um, con, the way a con man thinks is how we wanted to like approach it. Like he's got crazy friends. He's got bank heist uh, getaway driver friends. And you know, he's got people that know how to crack safes. And so, uh, so he asked me to come over and, um, and chat with him. And uh, Blake and I had been collaborating on a lot of stuff. So Blake and I went over to Edgar's house 
I'll tell the story as quickly as I can. We showed up 15 minutes late and we apologized profusely that we couldn't find the house. We started doing magic tricks. Uh, when we finished, Edgar said, um, can you show me your best trick? And we're like, we just did all of our coolest stuff. But yeah, I think we can come up with one more. And, and we said, do you have an outdoor area? Do you have a driveway we can go into? And he said, well, I have a backyard. That's a little nicer. So we agreed. We went out to the backyard. And um, I said, Edgar, name any card you want. And he said, five of hearts, I think. And then Blake said, point anywhere you want in your own backyard. And he pointed at a row of bushes that was at about two o'clock from where we were. And we went over. Uh, and I said, dig in the dirt there. And Edgar pulled up. They folded up five of hearts. And then, because we were teaching him how magicians think, we played him a video. Did you obtain the video? I do not have the video, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll send a link to it. It's, 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 it's an instructional video that says, hey, Edgar, here we are in your house uh, three hours earlier burying 52 playing cards in your backyard. And the whole thing was a setup. We showed up late on purpose so we could say, hey, we couldn't find your house. We waited for him to ask for uh, us to do one more trick, which we were obviously set up for. We suggested the driveway. We knew he would choose the backyard instead. You guys know this. The illusion of free choice. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, and then there is a there is one more twist, uh, which is also in the book. I don't know if you want to save it for that, but there's another twist to this story that I also found very amusing. What is it? Uh, well, about how you actually did it. Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure where you're going with that. The, how we actually <laughs> did it was that we. Uh, this was uh, this was Blake's idea. Blake got such a kick out of the notion that. Edgar would then go out into his backyard looking for 52 playing cards and not be able to find any at all. So we actually didn't bury any cards. We just faked the video of us burying 52 playing cards. And I don't think Edgar knows this to this day. So if he tunes into this, he's going to find that out. We're, we still hope that he's out, there. he's out there hunting for playing cards. So when he named a card, um, Blake cleverly was able to make the one that he named seem like it was coming out of the ground. That guy's really, he's got some very clever gimmicks, that guy. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was the illusion around the illusion. It was very fun. No, I, I love that. Uh, and, and also I love this idea too, that there's so many layers. Cause I think that's a common trend in your work is that there's like a surface level, there's something beneath that. And then there's like three other things beneath that. There's a code on top of a code. I think you're actually your Enigma test puzzle uh, this show slogan was an illusion in a puzzle, in a riddle, in an evening. Yeah, in a Twinkie wrapped in a whatever. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turtles all the way down. Um, but when you're approaching creating a show like The Enigmatist, which has puzzle layers and codes, and it is how, how do you start? Well, um, you have to start from the end. And the end of a puzzle set or a puzzle hunt is called the meta puzzle. So uh, there are a lot of different tracks in that show, but the, the main one, uh, just to tell you the structure of the show, is I do every three or four tricks, I pause and say, now it's time for puzzle number one, it's time for puzzle number two, and there's a screen behind me and I put a puzzle up on the screen. Yeah, nicely done. And <laughs> there's a quick visual puzzle that takes 30 seconds and it's stand up if you know the answer. And people stand up and I call on them, find out where they're from. And they will say the answer, and I have everybody write it down on an answer card. Uh, inside the box, which we'll get to, is the same way. There are keywords that you end up writing down on an answer sheet, 
And if you're solving a puzzle hunt, which is kind of like, uh, and you guys are familiar with escape rooms now, um, it's that kind of exercise. A puzzle hunt usually has an answer sheet where you're writing every, every puzzle leads to an answer, and those all tie together with a meta puzzle at the end. So my show has a meta puzzle at the end of it. So there's an answer card full of four or five answers, and there's a final one that synthesizes them all. So you have to start with that, you work backward. My favorite thing is to weave story inside and out of that. So um, one of the answers, I mean, you'll all forget this by the time you see it, because it won't be for another two years, but... Um, <laughs> No. Hopefully, hopefully 2021. Yeah. Um, one of the answers to one of the puzzles is um, Nixon, N-I-X-O-N. Well, why am I telling you? Why is Nixon an answer? And I came up with, well, that's because Nixon is rotationally symmetric. If you take the N-I-X-O-N and you rotate it 180 degrees, it reads the same way. You know what else has rotational symmetry? A crossword puzzle. This is why I chose the, the word Nixon was to go into this. But you, it's so fun to figure out how to like bake it all in, you know? And that connects with your magic as well. There's a quote in your book that says, the best magic tricks to employ narrative plot lines. Amateurs may fall back on tired stock jokes and purchase patter, but successful magicians take care to script new stories even when performing old illusions. So it seems like you also, uh, would you say that, that that approach of adding story to puzzles also guides your approach to the magic as well? Well, storytelling is essential for, for both puzzles and magic, for sure. Uh, I mean, look no further than, like David Copperfield was a master of it. There's such a big difference between doing a four aces trick and then saying, here's the trick that my grandfather taught me. And, you know, we all, we all bought into that and it was so, it, worked, it just worked so well, you know, everyone's crying in the back of the room. <laughs> Um, and you take people on a journey. People can follow. They, 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 they're they're with you every step of the way. Um, I the the narrative around the enigmatist is a story that I dug out of history about uh, a couple called the Freedmans who were uh, America's first code breakers. Yeah. And also, you're inside the box. I'm uh, sorry. The uh, the cards that you come out with. Uh, e each one of those things has some kind of hook. Like I think your your cards are based on another real life place. Uh, it's the same one, actually. I made, yeah, I made a uh, Harrison's re referencing a deck of cards I made um, quite recently uh, over Kickstarter with Chris Chelko, who's a playing card producer you might know of, uh, Dave Shukan, who's the puzzle designer that I work with all the time. We made Enigma playing cards, which have so many codes like hidden in them, but the 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 backs of the cards describe this historical place. There's iconography from this place called Riverbank, which is the estate outside of Chicago, a crazy place with like zebras running around and monkeys and a Japanese garden. And it was, this guy was a collector and he was a collector of uh, not only exotic animals, but also ideas and science. And he brought these people in to like start code breaking. And it's where um, the first efforts came from, from World War II. So that's the, it's, it's a little playing card, but on the back of it is all that stuff. Yeah, and you can still check it out. There's still a for sale Enigma playing cards on Kickstarter. He sma you smashed the goal on that, which has got to feel good. Yeah. You did it like almost immediately. Yeah, almost immediately. People, we're in a golden age of puzzles right now. I mean, this right. happened right, right when the pandemic hit. Um, so they're actually, the Kickstarter's over, but if you get in touch with me and I'm so easy to find, I uh, can 
set you up with that. Well, we're talking about stories and journeys, but I'm gonna, here's, here's a transition, focus on your journey. Okay. Uh, uh, you, you ended up, now you are full-time doing magic. We, we yeah. alluded to Harvard Magic Society. Um, but what, what did your parents think you were, like, I think we have a very similar journey because uh, my parents thought I was going to be a lawyer for a while in college and they thought I was going to go straight to law school at Harvard. Did your parents have like a similar uh, trajectory planned for you? wasn't planned, but they lead by example. They're both professors. <laughs> they they just wanted professionalism, right? It's just like, oh, Eric's in the tello, Eric. Yay, puzzles. Yay! Um, so they, they questioned things, but they were, they were supportive. Uh, but there was that moment when I, I was working for HBO, my first job out of college, and I quit to go to Hong Kong and not only discover a little bit about my heritage, but also like sit in bars and do magic all the time. Right. <laughs> um, and then also um, there were a couple other, I kept ping ponging back and forth between having like corporate jobs and then saying, I'm gonna go be a magician now. And each time they were like, okay, um, but you know, they're, here's what's so lovely is uh, the apple doesn't really fall far from the tree. So even, even though now I'm a magician, I do it in such an academic way that I it's so, so close to what they represent. And was there anybody on campus that you talked to about it that sort of like steered you in the direction of, of pursuing entertainment and magic over something else? On campus? Yeah. Um, I didn't quite have my sets, my sights set on a professional career at that point. It was just, it was a passionate hobby. Um, no. Well, there's one guy that I know, and I, I believe I think I think you've been friends for a very long time, okay. um, and I think was formative, uh, especially during your college years. But uh, remains in close touch with you to this day. Uh, what do we got? We have uh, Charles, aka Chuck Davis, Brooklyn <laughs> <from Kirkland> House. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. You <laughs> college, David. This this is. This. <laughs> So, so Chuck is the nerdiest person alive. You know, <laughs> we're into puzzles and magic. He, this guy just studies plants. Yeah. He loves <laughs> any plants. He loves him, Charles. He studies the largest plants. <laughs> he just he loves plants. He I do. You know, I'm all about I'm all about curing plant blindness one person at a time. That is true, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember when you had that New York Times article, uh, when was that, 10 years ago? That was a big, I remember, you were very proud. I was happy for you. Yeah. Uh, and you went, So he was my uh, like residential advisor, even though he never advised me on anything. And then you went <laughs> well, should we Should we pause for a moment and actually tell that story? Because it's actually a pretty good one, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I will warn our viewers. So Harvard, for some reason, has a completely different language than any other school. So like we don't have majors, we have concentrations, we don't have uh, we don't have teaching assistants, we have teaching fellows, we don't have friends. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, go for it, Charles. Well, I mean, you know, I think so. I guess from 1999 onward till when we both completed together in 2002, I was a graduate student. He, David was an undergrad. 
um, you know, we'd become friends. You know, we'd hung out regularly, ate dinners and and lunches together um, on a pretty regular basis. Oh, yeah, and now and now, you know, he's known yeah. as like Uncle David to my. I'm like seventy years old now. Yeah, that's right. And and yeah, there we are. There, there, there. Um, David is with with mm-hmm. Ben um, at at Fenway Park, obviously. But um, but yeah, you know, it was it was. I guess it was the day of commencement when David came to me and he said, you know, did you realize that you were my residential advisor? <laughs> and I was sort of like, oops, I guess I missed that memo, you know? I mean, one of, us, one of us didn't know. I think, yeah, you didn't know that, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I think you actually reached out and said, you know, we talk to each other almost on a daily basis. Did you know you're my, you're my residential advisor? And well, I said, that's you rationalizing, not advising me. <laughs> 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 well, you were, I, you were a biologist, to be fair. I mean, I believe people have tried to push him uh, away from law school and towards uh, entertainment and magic, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was such a great moment because you could see that that David was sort of struggling with you know these these two realms that that he loved so much. And on the one side, you know, I think I think he saw more of an academic or or um, trajectory in the, in the realm of law as, as maybe the right thing to do. But on the other hand, he just had this insane passion and love for um, magic and, and performance. And, and I think he can speak better to this, but it, he seemed that he was really kind of struggling with like um, a hobby versus a career. And, yeah. and it was just so awesome to see the, the the kind of struggles that he went through, but and and to see where he's at now is just I, I mean I'm so enormously proud and and happy to to have just witnessed all of this, you know. Yeah, I think I, I think I said that uh, I I was passionate about it, but I wanted to do it at a professional level, and I wasn't sure like how to not just be a like hundred dollars a birthday party magician, you know. <laughs> Um, Although I did hear you did a two hundred dollar bar mitzvah in Connecticut with Adam uh, as part of the Harvard Magic Society. Yeah, two hundred collectively. All like, <laughs> you did make that hundred dollars. All six of us like drove three hours. It was it's shame on that person for hiring for taking advantage of And we got there, and she had hired an actual pro to walk around and do magic. So, <laughs> so she really got her money's worth. Oh my. Anyway, uh, no, it's been so nice to, to to check in with. It's there's nothing better than um, checking in with the people who know where you came from. You know, um, Chaka, thank you for you're always supporting me and coming to my shows. And oh yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, I think I, you know, the, I think David, the the moment for me where it really all clicked was I think you you kind of referred to it when when you figured out this way to kind of blend your two loves and in, in magic and and kind of words and and I. Uh, you know, I, I remember when you visited us and, and um, you were in our basement and you were like, hey, Chuck, I, I have to show you this new trick. Right. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You were one of the early test runs of it. That's right. Yeah. And you, and you brought out and you brought out this kind of like grainy, you know, um, eight by 11 um, blank um, crossword um, puzzle and then started to kind of proceeded through the trick. And I was just like mind blown, you know. Wow. I, you know, I, I didn't. I thought that, it was, that, that, that was probably a, that was probably a, a summer when I visited you, and I was about to premiere that 
like around in the fall, like when I was throwing a birthday party. So I was probably you were probably you were a test audience for that. That's amazing. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, it was it was like a very kind of like poignant moment for me. I mean, just just about the the creativity and and the insight on how you could bring these two things together. And so I, I just felt so blessed being part of that. You know, it's all Harrison. I'm sure you can echo this. It's all presentation, right? That that crossword puzzle trick. Everybody who, who's watching is a magician. It's a card trick. It's pick a card, any card, and then I reveal <laughs> it. And if you don't like words, you're bored for like 15 minutes. And then I reveal that the seven of clubs is hidden in the crossword puzzle. And uh, I think that's that's what I realized is like I, I could just put this uh, coat of paint on magic with puzzles and, and the word nerd thing. And you see people do it in different ways. And you do it with comedy. And um, uh, there are... People that do it with, uh, with Darren Brown does it with hypnotism. You know, it's just like there's there's a what what I think a, a big part of it. Here's what I'm getting to also is I realize this is what can distinguish me from other people as well. You know, so it's, I think you're being humble in at least two ways. One is it's an incredibly difficult trick that you're doing, um, and if you want to speak to it, you can because it's it's not just revealing yeah. the card. You're building a crossword puzzle in real time, which requires. Uh, at least according to this book, months of preparation and flashcards. Uh, so there's a lot of work that went into that effect, but also just the con connecting things that you're actually passionate about into your art is a huge thing People that can, not just yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, uh, uh, Charles, you saw that passion super early on. Like was was David, I feel like every everybody who does magic uh, is the magic kid somewhere. Was was David the go-to magic guy for like study breaks and stuff? One hundred percent, all the way, and and he was like absolutely shameless about it. Whoa, there, there, I don't, there, I don't see you on this one, Chuck. Yeah, that's I took that photo. So oh, that's wow. the, that's a that's Tom Conley. He's a faculty member at, but he's the resident dean of of the house where we all live together. And so, um, I mean, it used to be it used to be called House Masters, and now we don't call it that anymore. There you go. See, magic could learn the lesson. Being <laughs> yeah, of the house. That was yeah. always a very weird thing to be like, this is my house master. It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> I got to get some of these photos from you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. This is in the Kirkland Dining Hall, which is uh, almost as nice as Elliot houses. Is that right? You lived? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> these, are like, these are like Hogwarts houses for people that... Uh, have no idea what we're talking about and are fed up with what we're talking about. That's right. But I'd like to think that Elliot was the Gryffindor and Kirkland was more of like a, what would you say it's a, the Hufflepuff of Harvard houses? Sure. <laughs> Charles, would you, would you concur? Was, yeah. Hufflepuff, was Hufflepuff good at volleyball? That's about all we had. Yo. Yeah, we were good at volleyball. I remember that. I feel like Courier was our Slytherin. <laughs> F those guys. Uh, and <laughs> very, con a lot of controversial opinions on this episode. Uh, but one of the things that I love too is you met as what about because you guys have been friends this whole time. Um, have you noticed anything? Uh, what are the things that have stayed the, the same, and what has really like evolved? For who you who are you asking? Uh, 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 Charles, about you. You know, I think I, th I think for me, a, a great friendship is often one where you can just kind of more or less pick up where you left off. And yeah, that's at, that's at David's book signing at the coop. I've been forcing little kids to read my book. <laughs> you gotta sell the book somehow. 
Yeah, and and I, you know, I think I think for me, it's just we we pick up right where we left off, and and now because we're on opposite coasts, it's sort of more by text or occasionally by phone, but um, the connection is always there, and it always feels pretty pretty fresh. I would say that the big difference for me is that obviously I've had you know two kids in in the in the interim, and and David knows them both well, and and they love him dearly. They call him Uncle David, Aww. and. Um, yeah, there they are in that photo, and and Angie, my wife, and um, actually we were together as as resident tutors at at Kirkland, um, and so I mean it's just it's so awesome to to have David over for a visit, and and here they have this world class magician doing tricks for them. It's like they don't even realize how great. David doing when he's performing for your children. Is he oh, doing yeah. the lexicon? Is he doing a giant crossword puzzle trick? Or is he doing? Is there a David Kwong children's show that none of us have seen? You you name it. He he pulls it all all the stops out. You know, um, and like, learn your three letter words, Leo. <laughs> I, well, look, I asked them tonight. What is your favorite David Kwong Uncle David trick? And they're like, I love the one with the kiwi and oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and the dinosaur and the dollar bill and yeah, and it's like for both of them independently. That's what they said. No, I didn't. Obviously, didn't make that trick up magicians been putting things inside fruit for a long time but i uh you know i do a signed dollar bill to a fruit to a kiwi and uh i tie that into a, a scrabble trick later with a serial number thing but it's it really um it it leads up to another way that i've uh, fused puzzles and magic together and uh, and we have we have a couple more guests to get to oh wow charles thank you so much for joining us before you go though can you share a flower fact a flower fact. Uh, yeah, sure. I study the world's largest flowers. They look and smell like rotting meat. And so in many ways, they're the ultimate illusionists. They actually, they actually um, lure in flies to um, lay their eggs. The eggs never develop, but the plant gets pollinated. How tricky is that? That's perfect. <laughs> this is one species or that's a group of... It's, it's, a whole, it's actually a whole group of related species that occurs in Southeast Asia. Um, and it's it's wow. just the kind of most extreme form of reproductive deceit in the plant kingdom. Next to Tinder profiles. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm yeah. 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 Wow. Thanks, Harrison. See you, David. Bye, Chuck. Bye. Uh, so you graduated from college. You were working for HBO. You went to Hong Kong. Uh, you ended up at, uh, I believe, DreamWorks, right? Yes, DreamWorks Animation. Yeah. And, and what was your role there? What was going on there? Uh, I was an assistant in the development group, the sto story department, story development, uh, you know, uh, finding finding the material that would become the next movies. So scripts, children's books, um, uh, original ideas, things like that. Uh, you know what? Actually, uh, let's get a second opinion because I have. Yeah, of course. You're life, David. <laughs> How you doing, Damon? Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. This is great. Damon. Uh, and what do you remember about <laughs> busy producer that you're interrupting today. Listen, I'd really had to uh, jump through it. I, you, I had to carve out this time. This was not easy, I, but I, I, I didn't miss it. That's amazing. 
Wow. Can you tell everybody what movie you're working on right now? I can. Uh, I'm producing an animated feature called The Bad Guys. Yeah. We have oh, yeah. And it is uh, yeah, based on a New York Times best-selling book series by Aaron Blaby. So if there are six to 10-year-olds uh, listening to this uh, podcast right now, I would hope that you're jumping up and down with excitement, elation, everything above. Very cool. I've seen, well, I haven't seen it in six months, but, you know. It's coming together. Well, David yeah. did a little uh, consulting gig for us yeah. on the movie. And, uh, yeah, I was determined to work with him after I gently nudged him out the door. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Because he was working for you. Uh, he was doing, you know, uh, producing and 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 consulting and that kind of thing. Uh, what what did you see in him that made you want to push him towards being uh, the talent? And uh, and what did that consist of? Well, I mean, I, I hired him as my assistant. Uh, uh, another Harvard alum, John Abel, uh, is the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. He's like, you got to meet with this this other Harvard alum. Uh, and I'm not sure how you guys met, but I assume through the Harvard connection. Uh, he was he said Hella Group. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and uh, John a fact from people, but it's all it's all out now. <laughs> but John was like, "You got to you got to meet this guy, David. Like he's really good and really talented." And uh, I I I remember I don't remember. A lot about the, you know, I remember being impressed with you in the interview. I mean, I knew pretty much in the first minute that I was going to hire you. Uh, but I remember also very specifically looking at your resume. And, uh, you know, at the bottom, you tuck, you, you know, you write, you jot down your, your hobbies. And it said some form of magic. Maybe it was just magic. I don't even remember exactly. But I remember noting, oh, he's, he's, his, his hobby is magic. And, oh, that's a fun little quirky thing. And uh, um, maybe he'll do a trick or two for for the other people in the office, and that'll be fun. Uh, sort of bonus. It was like cherry on top because I was already going to hire him. And uh, and then I remember like it was probably like three or four weeks after you started that you actually did your first trick. I was like, yeah, you should do a trick. And because um, you weren't super forthcoming about it, as I recall. And uh, anyway, you, I don't remember exactly what trick it was. It was it was a card trick, and I was like, "Oh man, man, he's really good." It was man, what, of have hand. what have I done? It was a sleight of hand uh, um, trick that you did as well. I was just I was like, "Whoa!" And and then I just started to pay more attention to uh, his um, his what what I ultimately discovered was his real passion. Uh, I would often, you know, he, yeah, listen, he was a perfectly uh, super smart, obviously could have become a development executive and gone on to become a producer. But I often, I, I think to myself, like, as a development executive, as a producer, you work with talent, you work with writers and directors. And as I was getting to know David more and more and would come by his desk and see that he always had that felt pad out, was always rehearsing and practicing his tricks. I, I, I just discovered and realized for myself, David is the talent. <laughs> David doesn't want to work with talent. David is the talent. And that, that was when it sort of clicked for me that this path, this career path that he was on to be an executive or, or a producer, or, uh, you know, a suit basically was not, even though he's the one in the suit right now, uh, <laughs> it's, not, uh, 
is not really his calling. But I know that was a difficult, uh, it, it was, you were struggling with that decision because I think your parents had some expectations. Well, I, uh, so when I left, um, well, this is all part of the story. So then I was, I was like, uh, sneaking out all the time, some with your permission, some without to um, <laughs> consult on now you see me, which was in script phase. Um, and that was one of the great things that came out of working in Hollywood was that I, uh, what do we got here? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, is that I'm on the phone and I'm on the emails with uh, all the agents and all the agents assistants and you're finding out about what magic projects are in development. So I started assisting, helping writers usually for free to get these scripts in a good place. And then one of those 30 scripts turns into a movie. So now you see me finally like, you know, got, got going, got the green light. Uh, but I was working, I was sneaking out all the time to, um, work with yeah there's the director louis leterrier <laughs> fingers crossed an opening night that's that's pretty cool um with ed solomon who wrote the script and and then when they got the green light it was everyone's going to new orleans for six months to make this movie and i was going to be there every day on set so i asked damon if i could have a leave of absence from dreamworks that was the real conflict that's what it was and i think you said like Mm, okay, but uh, you're not. You're. I don't think you should come back. You're, you're very cool about letting me keep the door open. And then I called you from New Orleans, probably just like a few weeks into being on set of Now You See Me, and said, "I'm going to keep going with this." And you're like, "Good. You're not. You're not welcome." Yeah. I remember my phone calls from New Orleans. They were all very drunk, and they usually involved me declaring my love for somebody who did not know I loved. <laughs> Oh man, that, it, was, it was the right decision. Yeah, never looked that back. Movie, that movie really put me on the map. I think that really launched, and that was that was pre me figuring out that I should um, pollinate, cross pollinate puzzles. That, but that did put me on the map. Like, I got some good press out of it, and I really put my stamp on that movie. There are a lot, a lot of great people worked on the film and contributed, and a bunch of magicians. And I'm very proud of what I uh, added to it, which was like shaping the story and making everything about it was basically like this mission impossible action movie before i got my hands on it and let's let's use the principles of magic here 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 and let's set up with a small trick here that pays off in a big way at the end and i'm very proud of that i definitely remember you were struggling with um whether or not you could support yourself in this line of work Yes, we or all. Maybe you weren't concerned about that, but maybe your parents were more concerned. Yeah. No, yeah. I was. I was concerned. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, I mean, obviously, developing these scripts, like, story is really important, and finding good stories. What lessons? I mean, I guess you, it can go either way. David, what lessons did you learn from Damon? And Damon, what lessons do you think you imparted that have influenced, especially with something like a Now You See Me or later on ABC's Deception? Um, what were the lessons about what a good story is that you learned from Damon and Damon, what lessons uh, do you think you gave David about uh, how to, how to find and, and, and really make those stories uh, stick? I, I think like DreamWorks animation is, is storytelling boot camp, And there's a process there where you're, you're actually pitching ideas internally to get the rest of the group. And at the time, Jeffrey Katzenberg to approve it. So I think, what I really learned was 
if you have a, a seed of an idea, like how do you how do you really get a big idea across to an, in a sellable way, in a gettable way, and it's not too complicated, and you can really just like distill it into its purest things? I think I got I think I got good at that. I, you definitely did. Sorry, my work is like, where are you? <laughs> no, there you go, high powered Hollywood executive. That's the perfect. Yeah. It's okay. Um, uh, I don't know if I, I imparted anything specific uh, beyond just like you said. It was boot camp. I mean, we were we would we would work stories uh, over and over and 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 just can, it's a very you know animation. It, the process is very iterative. So you're constantly refining and refining and strengthening and, and, and making it richer and um, trying to keep that kind of core idea, the core big idea, the sticky idea at the, at the center. So you never lose that. Um, I don't know. I think that's true about all of uh, many of David's tricks. I think there's, there's a story, there's a narrative and mm. there's always that kind of sticky hook that grabs you right off the bat. I mean, you're, you're very mindful and I, uh, of, 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 of storytelling and um, and how to sort of sell an idea. I think that it's woven into all of your tricks. So um, yeah, it, it, I, it, I don't know if it was me specifically, but certainly the environment of DreamWorks animation definitely informed, I believe, a lot of what you're doing today. And you work hard. You're one of the hardest working people I know. And, I, and you set that example for me. And Damon, I know you're super busy, so I'll, I'll let you go after this next one. But can you tell us a little bit about uh, the corporate retreat that David may or may not have performed at? Yeah, you have to tell me if this is accurate. Uh, but I definitely <laughs> remember we had a development retreat. It was at the beach in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think this was your big unveiling. I think that was I've been there for a bit. Here, I'll, ju I'll jump in. You're... Yeah, please tell the story. <laughs> everyone, everyone who's a magician who's watching, like, you know, it's a great icebreaker, and you can charm people with magic tricks. And I'm working, I'm working this corporate Hollywood job, but I'm trying to like impress the people above me with tricks. Uh, and I never really gotten to Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was the CEO, the founder of DreamWorks Animation. And you guys asked me to perform um, at the retreat. And, but I, you know, I was your assistant and all the assistants, we've like set up this retreat. We've like, you know, made sure the coffee is hot and, you know, so I, I said, and I get this moment that like, I elevates me and distinguishes me from everybody else. And I'm going to show everybody in the room, including Jeffrey, who's right there. It's all the directors. It's like yeah. all the top brass of the studio. Yeah, and it's like, and what, Jeffrey, what was your card for a heart? Circling it in the crossword, bam, thank you very much. And then like two minutes later, he was like, hey, can you run to Shake Shack and get the It was like Hardee's or something. He's like, I love the, uh, you know, I, I love the like, Astro Burger or something. <laughs> you know, I have a photo somewhere and it's like my Prius with my magic stuff loaded into it and then like a whole crate of milkshakes next to it. And it's the juxtaposition is hilarious, but he really uh, he put me in my place very fast. I, but I think you're underselling how impressive the trick was. Cause I think it was like you, it wasn't just 
think you did do the crossword trick. Yeah, I definitely did the crossword trick. But, but I also remember there's a there was another trick that revealed his cell phone. <laughs> right? Yeah, I might do that. And and that was he was like, do these numbers mean anything to anyone? And if he, and 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 Jeffrey was like, wait a second, what is yeah. what is happening? <laughs> I mean, that's a highly protected number. That's right. <laughs> I did that. I did that cell phone trick. Uh, you know, magicians. We all love to reveal cell phone numbers and playing cards and such. And I did it in a, in a deck of playing cards at a uh, at the Willie Morris retreat. It was Willie Morris merging with Endeavor retreat. This is a big Hollywood agency. Uh, and I did it to Ari Emanuel, who, if you watch uh, Entourage, is you know uh, Jeremy Piven's character. So I reveal his cell phone number in the cards and he just turns to me and he goes, can I swear on this show? Uh, I think I think so. If you're a child, uh, skip this part. <laughs> I mean, he, he goes, how the F did you get that? And walks away, you know. <laughs> F stands for fuck, that's what that is. <laughs> there you go. That's, that, how much is that worth in Scrabble though? Oh my God, four, nine, 10, 11, 12, 11. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Damon, I know you're super busy, so thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, tell us about, David, before you go? Uh, I think you've captured it. I mean, I, the only other question I have for David is, you know, what sides do you want for Thanksgiving dinner? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So. I am roasting Is he carrots. a stuffing man? Are you a stuffing man, Kwong? Or are you Green, more of a sweet potato oh, yeah. with marshmallows? Sweet potatoes. No, 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 no. I'll get out of here with that sweet. <laughs> All right. Thank Bye, you so much, David. We really appreciate it. Damon Ross, everybody. And I'm glad he brought up, uh, you brought up Now You See Me. Um, and uh, we should definitely talk about that because in addition to being a magician, all the puzzle stuff that you do, you've consulted a ton for TV and movies. Yeah. Um, one question that, because we also had um, Paul Kivan, uh, who, who does some consulting as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's a real illusion builder, yeah. And the uh, and one of the interesting things is, and especially for movies, um, oh, deciding Sean, you are such a legend. I'm so thrilled. yeah, and and past IBM president. So huge oh thanks God. to Sean Farquhar. Yeah. Uh, the F stands for Farquhar. That's what it actually stands yeah. for. Yeah. If any child is watching, the F stands for Farquhar. Yeah. Uh, how do you decide whether to go practical and actually do the trick, or let uh, editing or FX uh, do the work for you? Um, you, you try to do practical when you, where you can, uh, for me, it was more about like what, what I, what I think was so successful about, uh, now you see me was it really taught the audience how magicians think and they felt like they were learning all the secrets behind, you know, behind the curtain, uh, the processes. So, um, I wish, oh, what is that? That's me doing, okay. That's I wanted. Right. To, I was trying to look for a generic. He's consulting and working on a set picture. <laughs> uh, that's me manipulating a cigarette. I think. Um, I we did um, we did a lot of practical magic in Now You See Me. I wish we had done more big illusions, uh, but we didn't. You know, that's the thing. It's like you're you don't have time. You're up against the clock, right? Um, but but. Um, Trying to remember, yeah. For I mean, Louis Leterrier had this great idea, and it was um, he, here, here's what here's how it worked in I see me. He said, "I want these are magician superheroes. I want to portray magic tricks that 
you can't do today, but you think we can do in 10 years. So uh, he had Isla Fisher. The idea was it started, this was all Louis' idea. He's like, I don't want her just like levitating over the audience, flying over the audience, but let's put her inside a bubble. So it's like, don't know quite how to do that yet, but it's within the realm of possibility that we could cut some in the next 10 years, we'll come up with some solution that's not going to pop. And if you're running a, a thin wire through it, and so it was all like grounded. Um, so we, we didn't, we didn't have digital tricks where like coins are just flying out of your hands and stuff, but um, you know, I think there are effects like that. And then uh, talking about uh, fast production, obviously television also moves insanely fast. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Deception? Because that uh, you weren't just consulting on the magic; you were in the writers' room and really helping work with Berlanti, who would go on to do uh, Nematist as well. Yeah. So okay. So Blind Spot is a show that Greg Berlanti Greg Berlanti produces like a thousand shows. He's the mayor of TV. Uh, Blind Spot <laughs> is the show on NBC. It just finished uh, with a woman who's got tattoos. That's kind of like a treasure map. So I was hired to consult on the puzzles for that. Berlanti and I were talking one day about this original idea of a magician that joins the FBI. He has a brilliant mind for how to sell things. He's like, I want to call it deception uh, and sell it to network TV. So he brought on uh, Chris Fedak, who created the show Chuck, to, yeah, to, uh, to create uh, deception. And it starred those four Wiley characters, those actors. Uh, it ran for a season, RIP, but we were very proud of it. Uh, and I could not have done that without Francis Minotti, who is a magician out of Philadelphia, who is a real uh, inventor and tinkerer and can rig things up in a way that I can. I'm very good in a, in a, in a story room, uh, which was based, the writer's room was based in LA. Uh, and Francis was there every single day on set in Brooklyn. So I really tip my, my cap to him. Well, why don't you tip your cat in person? Because we have Francis right. Minotti. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? Hello, sir. Long time no talk. Was it like I was hours ago? morning because I just saw his Penn and Teller Fool stint. I was just watching it this morning. It was good, man. Thanks, and Francis, yeah. uh, let's use that as a segue because the trick that you did on Penn and Teller Fool Us uh, is maybe going on sale. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the first one that I did back in 2015 did go on sale. And then the one that I just did uh, that just aired a couple weeks ago is going on sale pre-sale this Friday. So yeah, we'll be doing the, the, just the first half of the trick, but the, if you haven't seen, it, I'm not going to spoil it, but go watch it. And uh, it's a little, it's yeah, it's called boxed. Uh, and uh, the, the target is to release it on boxing day. So oh, <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about it. Cause so basically David is uh, dealing with stories and, and the writers in LA and you're on the ground trying to make that magic happen in New York. So what is your relationship to each other? And uh, tell us about how th that all worked. That sounds amazing. Well, I mean, uh, David, uh, we, we met at the castle, right? We met at the castle because, because of, uh, <laughs> oh, this is, this, is the <laughs> this is the coat check room slash green room for the Enigmatist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the opening night of previews or something, I think. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, <laughs> very fancy, very oh, glad. Yeah. I mean, it's a Highline Hotel, so you know, it's only the best of coat rooms. So. Here's a more glamorous photo. There we go. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's that's deception. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. there's that's oh, no, we, we met. Well, we met at the castle. Uh, I don't remember exactly the circumstances, but we hit it off talking about nerdy stuff like Scrabble. We both were simultaneously working on our own Scrabble tricks. Um, 
mine being the one that eventually I did on uh, Fool Us and David's, which is uh, substantially a, a yeah, part of it. What I did pull them, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and there are they're they're drastically different from each other, but at the same time, both nerdy and wordy in all the best ways. Mm -hmm. Can you go back to that photo in Times Square? I just sure. noticed there's that knight with his helmet off. He's like, I'm way too hot to be wearing this right now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Was he part of the set or part of Times Square? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no, he was about he was a VG uh, for that, and it, he actually well he had, he had a speaking role, didn't he? Yeah. Um, no, that's uh, and Jack there featured uh, you know Jack Cutmore Scott playing um, Cameron Black and um, Jonathan Black. Jonathan Black, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been a couple of years now. <laughs> It's been the longest 2020 but, but, ever. But tell everybody, like, we really, you're just up against the clock. With TV. Oh, man. You so, want to pull off more than you have time for, and it's like. That's the, the number. The, so the number one commodity in film and TV is obviously time. Time is the money. And we both wanted to, David and I wanted to pitch all the magic as practical magic. And so a lot of times we would we would argue for it and the line producer or the director or whomever would say that's that's nice but we have to keep rolling we have to keep moving so we figured out ways of working with the uh vis effects guy ed and uh what we would do is we teach jack the classic the, the sleight of hand technique or would use threads or wires or whatever and we'd show ed what it would look like in real life and then we'd fake it on the day so basically, like if, if, for example, there was a cell phone, which you know, Jack was holding a phone, uh, he would then let go of it and it would float between his hands. And in real life, we'd use some sort of magic trickery, wires, threads, something, you know, that you can't see. <clears throat> we showed how it would look to Ed and then uh, and also to Jack. And then on the day, Jack would get on the set and action and he'd go like this drop it, they'd paint that out, and then they'd drop in the phone digitally. But when you watch it on the show, uh, due to the work that David and I worked hard to do, um, it looked as though it was practical. And okay, don't sell yourself short, Francis. There were plenty of actual practical tricks, too. There were actual practical that's, tricks. That's, that's when you're describing when you don't have time to pull off you know, <laughs> it would have been nice to float that phone using, you know, magnets and things like that. Yeah. Episode two or episode three, the museum was was incredible. Um, we did a, a, a pep, not a Pepper's Ghost, a, a Blue Room kind of thing, wow. where this was. I was uh, I was speaking earlier with Harrison uh, before this, and uh, Chris Fedak. Like by the third episode, second or third episode, we were very comfortable with the directors and the uh, line producer. And uh, Ray, the line producer, was. He was a character. He would come into the office. He would scream at you, just like, "What the f?" Which stands for Farquhar. Oh, are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And, like, and he'd scream, and then he'd walk out and turn back and say, "Good job, guys." And we'd be like, "What? Huh? What? What?" But um, yeah, it was a. It's it's a it's stressful. Anyone who's done any film or TV work, uh, and David's done far more than I have. But when when we worked together, um, oh, that was what I was gonna say, in, in Deception, David multiple times was in the writer's room. Uh, oh, I didn't, where'd you get that one? I didn't even give you that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's those a, are all that's accurate. That's, that's my face most of the time. I'm usually going, why? 
That's a little, um, a little grainy, but that's a fake hand on his shoulder there. Oh yeah, yeah, that's one of the spirit hands that we we had a lot of fun with. Um, David would be in the writers' room, and with Fedak and the writers, and they'd all be going, "This will be fun. Let's do this, and let's write this, and let's put this magic trick together." And what? A, and I am on set in New York with Ray the line producer in one ear and the director and everything's running and i'm i'm going dude we can't do that we don't have time we don't they don't have money and ray's screaming at me and so it was like the the analogy to me has always been like the the general david's the general in the war room and i'm just the guy on the ground going eh, the missiles are coming in i can't do it <laughs> but well, uh no one's better than you at this we, stuff you, you really crushed it on that show well thank you we, we made it it was, a, it was a team effort and we made it through and I guess Francis, because you also worked on the Enigmatist as well. Obviously, David's had like a tremendous amount of success. Uh, what what were the things? Because you you observed the whole process, creative process for all this stuff up close. What do you think is the secret formula that 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 people might be able to learn from? The secret formula. Um, like, what about David has made him so successful? What are the things that you think contribute to to him being as good as he is? Uh, a a stubborn drive and an, uh, an unwillingness to accept compromise when uh, when me the guy Jarrett magician comes along and says that sucks you can't do that uh, <laughs> um, no I mean it's really it's a uh, it's a it's a willingness to David's David's biggest strength your biggest strength David is knowing what you're good at and looking to surround yourself by good people. Uh, when you don't know, like whether it's our friend Chelko out in LA or uh, or uh, David Shukan or any of these guys working on these different shows, whether it's TV or theater. And uh, David's really, really good at saying like, okay, here's my vision. Here's what I want to do. He kind of, Hen he Henry Fords it. He's like, I want to have this car. You, you look like you know how to build a car. Come on <laughs> over here. And so, yeah, so David surrounds himself by good people. I mean, and me, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I try to make um, puzzle. I'm going to answer the, the question now myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Then, I'll, then I'll tell you why you're wrong. But go ahead. I just, I just think that I, um, I'm good at making puzzles and magic, but I'm really heading in a puzzles direction accessible to people. That that it's like they can understand it and it's putting it right in their hands and they're, they're feeling smart and... So I have I have a vision for what that should look like, and then you know there are times where I say, "But how? How do I get this thing from backstage into my pocket, Francis? Help me, please." You know. So. And the, yeah, and I have the, very friends. That's what the F stands for, guys. Friends. Friends. friends don't. That was like it was like a puzzle that we we started at the beginning, and it turns out yeah. that the F is the friends you make along the way. See, then then the whole D F. Uh, DFIU, defy you, doesn't work work out so well. We have that was the text I sent David was down to friend, down to friends. No, down we have friend? a, yeah, you sent me that from New Orleans about 10 That's years ago. <laughs> DTF, yeah, down to friend. I like that. We have a there's there is a there's a phrase that we use before every show or every before well, every time on Deception or any before the Enigmatist or when we were working on the Geffen show, uh, uh, the the mysterious circumstances, things. Yeah. And we basically look at and say, D, D, wait, D-F-I-U, defy you. Uh, what was Michael Lehman, the director called it, but um, it's don't F it up. And so the, the whole thing is right before the person goes on stage, right before like 
seconds before. I'd be like, don't F it up. And uh, it's, <laughs> it, it, it works. It works. Yeah. That was the advice, Jim. I was a young green comic and I asked Jim Gaffigan right before I went on stage, what if he had any advice for me? And he said, don't suck. Yeah, exactly. And it's fantastic it, advice. It's the it best is. advice you could possibly give. Yeah, it's accurate. <laughs> yeah, the key to doing well is to is not sucking. Depends on what uh, you're trying to do, I guess. And we're starting to get in uh, towards the end of the show. So if you have any questions for David, uh, please put them in the comments. I think we might actually have time to do a, a quick puzzle or two, a sort of preview of uh, oh, the puzzle that you can see in inside the box. Um, uh, and Francis- Which is a great uh, show, by the way. Go check out check out Inside. Is, is it still running? We haven't really talked about it. So the, that's, that's the show I'm doing while, we're, while I'm stuck in my house. It's a it's an evening of puzzles and wordplay. That that image right there, that poster has a secret message in it. So if you can find that, send me a message, and we'll put you on the uh, the wall of solvers. Uh, and it's 2010. <laughs> we haven't announced it. You're the first people to find that out. We're gonna extend it uh, into February. So it's been it's really been really fun. It's a really fun show. You should check it out. It's uh, and the puzzles are challenging. There are a couple that I absolutely didn't get until the other people got them. So challenging yet accessible. Excessive. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's do let's do a puzzle, shall we? Shall we do? All right, it? and we'll leave Francis on. So this way, if I don't solve yeah, it, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> Everybody watching, uh, you can put your answers in the chat. So yeah, uh, please put them in the comments. We will put them up as we get them, uh, and we already are getting questions as well. So this is great. Now, is this is this backward? Can you read this? Emoji I know it's actually correct. Great. This is this this puzzle is called the emoji movie. All right. Perfect. So, um, are you saying I, then that it's bad and no one will see it? So, so why don't we do? Yeah, no, it made a lot of money. Uh, so, <laughs> this Harrison Franks, if you know the answer, just do a thumbs up so that the people at home can still uh, type their answer into the chat. All right. So, the way this works is I'm going to show you two emoji, or a bunch of emojis. You tell me what the movie is. For example, this might be The Lion King, right? That's The Lion King. You see that? Okay. It's the Lion King. Let me turn on the brightness a little bit. Okay, here we go. Here is your first emoji movie. All right, let's see if anyone in the chat has this one. All right, there's a slight delay between the uh, this oh. goes out, then they chat, then it comes back. Oh, um, um, is it like a five minute delay? Uh, no, it's like a minute, but we'll see if something comes in, and if it doesn't come in fast for this one, then we'll uh, know to not wait too long. Go through it. Well, maybe we'll just go. Through. I know Diddleman is watching. Oh, Diddleman is watching, and has put the answer. I was about to say, if Diddleman doesn't put the answer in, then we know there's a delay. All right, um, Harrison. It is Rain Man, I yeah, think. Oh, I see it. It pops up. Very good. Yeah, it's Rain Man. Okay, here we go. Here comes another one. How about this? Got it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe this is too easy. Let's uh let's <laughs> oh, Sean Sean got it by the way. Oh, yeah. uh, Sean got it. Ian Ken oh, yeah. got it. See, they're flowing in. All right. We're gonna have to vamp until these uh next mm. yeah. come in. I think that last one was uh was be our guest from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> the the movie? The movie that they pulled <laughs> from that song? <laughs> I know we're getting answers from Ben Cohen, who said yeah, it was Eat, Pray, Love. Eric Goldman also saying Eat, Pray, Love. That is a more reasonable answer. <laughs> All right. How about this one right here? Got it. Yeah. I think I do, at least. Yeah. 
Ah, interesting. Oh man, there's two possibilities. Yeah, I've heard the other one, but there's there's a specific time involved here that is what I'm going for. Oh, okay, oh, really? I, I got it. I originally was going to guess the indie darling. It's a cult film few people have seen uh, called Clock Hat Man, and uh, obviously that's the answer. It was a, it was a small indie film. You probably haven't heard of it. Uh, oh, we get oh Eric Dittleman has an answer. We have two different answers. Either one could be correct. I'll show you both. Uh, Joe says Eat, Pray, Love. That's wrong. That's wrong, Joe. <laughs> it's not Eat, Pray, Love. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm sure that's the answer for the last one. Uh, ben Cohen saying Time Bandit. I hear that a lot. That I will accept that as an answer, but I'm going for another movie. Uh, Sean Farquhar saying High Noon. That's conceptually what's going on here, but how about Eric Gentleman saying yes, midnight, midnight cowboy. So you could all you could even go Watchmen technically, but that's a that might be a stretch. Yeah. Oh, Watchmen is good. Yeah. I still think time, I Watchmen and Time, time Hat Man. Oh, that's a good Ooh, one. Yeah, it's a curveball. I think I. I have an I have an idea. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you. I'll tell the actors in it. Daniel Day Lewis. That's what I. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. 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 Or or it's a uh, it's a magic product. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I'm All not right. sure I even know this movie. We have, we have a ghost uh, ghost thread, uh, which is close. Pretty close. Uh, Eric Dittleman, I think, got it correct yet again. We get it, Eric. We get it. What I don't know what this is. The answer is Phantom Thread. Phantom, Phantom Thread. thread. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, here's an easy one for you. Bam. <laughs> yes. All right. Should I just keep Fish going? <laughs> Hopefully people get it. I don't want to leave them hanging forever. There's one person who can't solve it, and this is going to be their whole night. <laughs> uh, let's share two more real quick. Uh, somebody just said Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, I, I get from the ghost. Uh, Ian Kent got the last one. Fight Club. Yes, okay. And how about this one? This is great. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I should just say that as soon as they come out, and then people will just assume that I got it. Like, wow, clever. I want to see what you do for the uh, the other one, the other film that's uh, by the same. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you could. I don't know if you could post that. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Parker said, "We don't talk about that." Uh, oh, it's because of the Fight Club joke. He's right, right. <laughs> nice, John Brown got it. All right, uh, and that and that one, I haven't seen any answer in yet. Oh, there we go. Eric Gentleman got it. Uh, Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Great film. All right, should we uh, should we do one more? Let's do, Let's one, do more. one more. Yeah. And then, uh, how about this one here? I oh, got well, it. I actually nice. know this one. Yes, I, I, I that one. Yes, it's uh, that's Donald Trump. It's uh, it's <laughs> a baby who golfs a lot. Yeah, it's no. I I think we have it. Barber, by yeah. the way, credit for the last one. Very good. The answer is not Donald Trump. Eric Dillman is correct again. Yes. Let's see if anybody else gets it before I put it up. He's so smart. We gotta stump diddles. We gotta stump them. <laughs> oh, you got you. I know you have a couple that are really hard there, David. I can. I can. Yeah, give it. Yeah. Let me get them. Let me get them. Baby driver. Yeah, it's a. It's one that uh, was actually a lot more entertaining than I thought it would be. 
<laughs> yeah, let's do the hardest one. Yeah. And then we will a we'll ask any questions uh, people have there in the comments and uh, wrap this bad boy up. I don't have a hard one. They're all pretty easy. This is just a fun <laughs> one. Here we go. Eric, you're never going to get this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. A dozen simians. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the current cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> or is it Shakespeare? Is it just Shakespeare? Because uh, eventually. Because of what? Uh, Shakespeare. Because eventually, if you put enough of those monkeys in a room, they will oh, produce. That's right. That's right. Any of the Shakespearean shows. Yeah. Uh, Alan Garber and uh, there we go. Got twelve monkeys. Eric Dillman as well. Thank you guys all for participating. Uh, and Francis, thank you for joining us as well. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Um, let's plug you one more time before we let you go. It is FrancisMinotti.com. His Twitter is FrancisMinotti. Also check out Couple of Magicians and Box Goes on Presale on Friday at FrancisMinotti.com. Francis, thank you so much. Absolutely. See you guys later. Great to see you. And uh, we have a, a very, uh, oh, there we go. Alan Garber also, this, a similar joke on the monkeys. Eric Dillman just saying outbreak, which I think potentially also an answer for that as well. Um, the question that we got is from, let's see, is it from? From Eric Dillman. Uh, wow. What was your first crossword puzzle theme you created and what made you choose it? That's a great, great oh, question. I have props that I forgot to show. This is, the, this is the puzzle book I had when I was a kid and I went to hear Will Shorts speak and he signed it. Uh, for David, a puzzle champ, and uh, Will Shorts there, and this is what changed my life. You know. And, and then, did you start writing him after that? Did you? Is that how you struck up a relationship? Uh, no, um, I was just some crazy kid who was a fan. But um, then, the first puzzle that I did um, was a. Oh, that one. That's the puzzle you did with uh, Amber. Funny, yeah. The first puzzle I had uh, was actually an, um, an an April Fool's Day puzzle. It's that's like the nerdy trophy that you try to get, and I uh, and I submitted it. My friend Kevin chose it, and I wrote it together. He was already doing it, so he kind of showed me the ropes, and uh, we submitted it. And it was so difficult that it was uh, that Will said that he wanted to wait. Uh, Saturday, which is the hardest day, and an April Fool's Day to coincide. So we waited a couple years for that to work out. But it's um, it's think it's the it's the answer. I'm just gonna tell you answer. Think outside the box, which is you know, um, the so it said outside the box. How you have to think to solve this puzzle? And the, the the central thing was outside the box, and you had to write the letters T H I N K for think in the margins of the newspaper. So the grid like spilled into the margins. The think was outside of the grid. Very clever. And not only that, it is a, weirdly enough, a, a direct link to Inside the Box. That's right. Your, other, the, your, your current show, which again, uh, new tickets are on sale. That is uh, a scoop because uh, it hasn't been announced until just now. So make sure you go to geffenplayhouse.org and sign up. Uh, make sure you get notified about that. The tickets will sell out really, really, really fast. Uh, the first batch uh, almost immediately uh, got scooped up as soon as they were announced. So make sure you check that out. Uh, and davidkwongmagic.com. Um, all the updates are there as well. Um, and we are, is there any, I want, oh, somebody just said, can you solve a real Rubik's Cube? That was Alan Garver, who is uh, yes, but only, out of Long Island. Yeah, uh, one square at a time. So I'm uh, one, <laughs> one piece at a time. So I'm like, you know, 
a three minute solve. I put this one in position and this one, I don't know any algorithms to like shortcut it. Um, but yes, I did learn how to do that. Nice. I, uh, one square at a time could also be the name of your autobiography. Yeah. I got a five by five right here too. This is part of the show. How? Oh, wow. I'm not going to tell you. Nice. Yeah. You gotta buy tickets. It's a fantastic show. Uh, our final question. Um, I ask every guest this as the final question. There are young magicians and entertainers who are watching the F stands for friends. Um, what advice do you give to them? Um, all, all magic is based on the, some people say same seven tricks from a hundred years ago. Like put your own stamp on those. Uh, I, I'm doing it with puzzles. Uh, figure out what you love, what you're passionate about, and how you can synthesize that with magic to make something new. And everybody can put their own stamp on magic. That's perfect. I love that so much. David, thank you so, so much for joining me. Thank Make sure you, you follow davidkwongmagic.com. Get your inside the box tickets, geffenplayhouse.org. And make sure you get a copy uh, of Spellbound. It's a wherever books are sold. Yeah. Um, uh, and if you want to reach out, if you want to learn more about puzzles, I'm easily findable. Happy to tell you about the New York Times crossword and puzzle hunts and all sorts of things like that. So I feel like you should make yourself purposely difficult to find. So they have to solve some puzzles to get your email. <laughs> make them earn it, David. I don't know. You could be, you could be my manager. I need one. Okay. <laughs> David, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And I will all see right, you. Right. Fun. Thank you. What a great show. And so many legendary people in the chat. That's awesome. Oh, um, they love you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 See you soon. David Kwong, everybody. What a fun, fun episode. Make sure you check him out at davidkwongmagic.com. Make sure you check all of our special guests out. Francis Minotti is francismanati.com. A huge thanks as well to uh, to Chuck Davis, Charles Davis. Um, check out his lab, which is doing incredible work, as, as I mentioned earlier. Make sure you check out his lab. I have the address right here, davislab.oeb.harvard.edu. And uh, Damon, uh, oh my God, he uh, is responsible for so many great movies that you can check out, like Trolls, um, that's uh, that's out there. And uh, look for his new movie uh, coming out real soon, The Bad Guys. Uh, I am very excited to see it uh, because I am a six-year-old boy inside. So I absolutely will be someone who sees it right away. Um, and of course, David Kwong, uh, so, so fun to have him on the show and uh, so delighted. Sean, thank you so much for watching as well. Such a fun episode, another F word. Uh, Alan Garber, love you, buddy. And uh, Eric, yes, I will see you soon. <laughs> um, so thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, we're taking a, a week off next week. I'm trying to do these on th in three-week stretches. If there is a guest that you would like to see on the show, you can feel free to reach out. Uh, I'm on Twitter and on Instagram, at Harrison Comedy. You can also check out my website, harrisongreenbaum.com. I have a little chat thing. You can send me a message that way as well. And make sure you download this as a podcast. Whobooksthat.com has all the episodes. Tune in every Wednesday. Not next Wednesday. That's an off week. But then we'll be right back here with episode 35 at Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And last but certainly not least, the IBM. A huge thanks to the International Brotherhood of Magicians. They're an incredible organization. They've been doing incredible things during the pandemic. They do incredible things uh, when it's not a pandemic. Make sure you join magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM slash join. You can also join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash IBM magic. Uh, fantastic resource. Uh, highly encouraged. Thank you so much. That's been Who Books That? 
with Harrison Greenbaum. And here is the theme song that I'm definitely not just singing while the animation plays. Who books that? Thanks for watching. Who books that with Harrison Greenbaum? I'm singing the theme song. Who books that with Harrison Greenbaum? Presented by the IBM. Presented by the IBM.